We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to an NFL Week 5 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast. Hopefully you're listening to us here uh, on YouTube, Twitter, uh, in the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast feed. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, John, we are just rolling through this NFL season. Already coming up on Week 5 as we record on Thursday afternoon. We're just a few hours away from the big one, the granddaddy of the ball, Bears Commanders on Thursday Night Football. Uh, by the time this pod is out, you know that game will will be close to started, so we won't spend a lot of time on that one. Uh, you can find our leans on that game over on the Rotowire YouTube channel. Earlier today, we talked about uh, what our selections might be for Week Five in the Circa Million contest. We talked about that Thursday night game quite a bit. Uh, pretty confident that we'll be staying away from it <clears throat> in Circa for a number of reasons, but uh, we're finally building some momentum in Circa Million. John, three and two last week. We hit on Seattle. We hit on the Chargers. We hit on Dallas. We lost on the Eagles and. Man, we, we came very, very close to hitting on the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, we will bounce back this week. And I, I really like the board. The, the last couple of weeks, you know, whether we're doing pick them or, you know, picking every game against the spread like we do, I, I didn't feel great about it. I, I, I like the setup this week a bit more. I do too. That like the last two weeks, uh, week three in particular, it's like, what am I even looking at? Week three is, is a tricky one because there's such like a sort of slingshot effect from week one's action into week two and and you're just kind of split on, on your actual opinion on, on all these teams, because oftentimes it just looks so different from that first game of the season, especially with, uh, you know, impact players not really playing in the preseason to week two. So that, that set up, uh, that set us up for a toughie in week three, but we, we got back last week and, and this week re really there's only like two or three games that, that I cannot uh, find a, like a strong uh, foothold for, but, but other than that, um, we're feeling good. I'm liking the board. Yeah, we like the board quite a bit. And maybe part of it is we we're down four teams this week. We, we do have bye week setting in in week five. Uh, that's, it's always a jarring uh, thing for me when, when you look at the board, you're like, something's missing here. What's going on? There should be two more games. Like we're, we're being robbed. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a necessary evil of the NFL uh, to get these bye weeks out of the way. So four teams uh, will not be playing this week. I think in general, like for teams that I root for, for the Jags, like I don't think I would want a week five buy. Like I want that thing right in the middle of the season. You know, it's interesting because, you know, a team like the Chargers or the Browns that, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's figures banged up. Deshaun Watson didn't play last week. Uh, even the Buccaneers, like the buy comes at a pretty good time with Mike Evans tweaking his hamstring. Like I think those teams all need the buy. But in general, I, I think I want that later in the year because, you know, going, you know, week six through 18 without a buy, that's a long time. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the sweet spot is, in my opinion, like weeks eight through 10. Uh, if you uh, feel like that, those are like that said, that's most uh, fortuitous for, for the teams uh, on buys those given weeks. And, uh, you know, I think there's also something to be said for, you know, on the other end of, of what we're talking about here, where like uh, week 13, you got the, the Vikings and the Ravens and, and a handful of other teams on by week 14 commanders and, and uh, Cardinals. You can tell I did a lot of best ball this summer. I still remember teams by weeks off the nice. top of my head. So uh, I, I know what's up as far as that goes, but yeah, it's, it feels like playing 14 consecutive weeks uh, is uh, really a, a tough uh, draw there for the, for those teams as well. But uh, I think that that early, early season bio like this week, like you said, comes in a fortuitous time, but, um, it, and, you know, maybe that gives Eckler some additional time to, to get his uh, injury in, in good shape there. But yeah, if, I, if I'm a fan, not loving the week five. All right, let's get right to the board. We're not wasting any time this week. We got uh, 13 games to break down. Uh, like I said, we will be, will not be talking Thursday night. Uh, as we always do, John, we'll, we'll divide these up into the games that we're most looking forward to watching, you know, the games that we might have the strongest leans on. Uh, then we'll, we'll kind of get down uh, and whittle things down from there. I want to start in London. And not, maybe not everybody is is you know drooling over Bill's Jaguars, but obviously I'm a Jags fan. And the Jags are coming off a win. They've somewhat righted the ship. We will see. Uh, this this is going to be the toughest test of the year so far for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they do have a pretty tough schedule, some tough games uh, coming up the rest of the way. The Buffalo Bills, depending on where you look, five, five and a half point favorites. Seems like it's settled at five at most books. Uh, we like this one quite a bit, John. You know, we talked about it in the Circa video. I, I'm all over the Buffalo Bills to win this game. I know it's in London. I know the Jags have the travel advantage. I know Trey White got hurt last week. Uh, but I, I think a lot of things here point me in favor of Buffalo. I'm on the same page with you here. Uh, Buffalo has definitely made me eat my words over the last uh, three weeks or so after that that Monday nighter against the Jets to get things started. But they, they seem to have really righted the ship. Um, they you know, really put the performance of the week down uh, last week against Miami. And even with that travel um, detail baked in here, I think that, you know, that that's obviously factored into the line a little bit, but um Jacksonville, they, they just still feel like they're stuck in the mud. Travis Etienne, like the 20 carries for 55 yards. Like how much better does that get this week against Buffalo? Buffalo's defense is better than Atlanta's, and Jacksonville still struggled pretty mightily uh, to, to gain much in the way of traction uh, last Sunday in London. So it helps that they've been there, but maybe it works against them that they've been eating full English breakfast all week. Just a lot of beans in the morning um, yeah. could, could be um, detrimental for, for the Jaguars overall, but Bottom line here, I think the the Bills' offense is clicking, and the the Jags' offense is so predictable that plays into the hands of the Bills' defense. Even Sands Trey White so well. I think McDermott is going to have this schemed up really well. I'm expecting a tough day for the Jags' offense, and and therefore Bills cover. You said it very well. Uh, you know, again, these international games they they always kind of throw you for a loop. You're never sure what to expect. It's such a long trip over there. Uh, to me, that's that's so much different than even going, you know, like San Francisco to New York. Uh, I mean, it's just it, it it can mess you up. So I, I understand if there's some hesitation here. Uh, but in these international games, favorites 39 and one straight up. They're 26 and 14 ATS. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, 45 of his 59 career straight up wins have come by at least seven points. So when the Bills win, when they're rolling, they tend to win big. Uh, I, I also saw a stat, and maybe this this would push us the other way, John. Josh Allen has not gone two straight games without a turnover in his entire career. That I mean, given how he started his career, like maybe that that isn't that crazy, but 
that's still pretty wild to me. And he did not commit a turnover last week against the Miami Dolphins. So something to keep in our back pocket there, maybe for props. Uh, uh, yeah. So if you find a, a Josh Allen turnover prop or an interception prop, uh, may, maybe take a gander at that. He That's just his style, you know, like the, the Bills can still win in spite of that, you know, it, to your to your point about uh, their record and, and how many seven point victories and beyond. Uh, they have under Josh Allen, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, so he has one of his kind of just hilarious arm punts or, or something uh, here during the course of Sunday's action. I just don't really view that it's going to alter the game mm-hmm. so much to where that Jacksonville stays within this number. Last thing I'll say on Buffalo, you know, I, I do think this is a tough matchup for the Jacksonville offense, but teams have been running on the Bills. They are dead last in the NFL in terms of yards per attempt, like 6.7 yards per attempt so far. You know, we, we saw... We saw the Raiders pile up 183 rush yards. We saw the Commanders get to 168. The Jets only got to 97 in week one, but that included, you know, Brees Hall, you know, got 95% of those on one long run. You know, they, they did a good job against Miami last week. That's certainly encouraging. But, um, you know, if Jacksonville has any hope to, to keep up with this Buffalo offense, it's going to be a heavy dose of Travis Etienne, and it's going to be Trevor Lawrence finally taking some shots downfield. You know, it can't be one every three series. It's got to be more frequent. By the way, Von Miller's traveling. Uh, with the Bills. He's in London and and might play at this game out of nowhere. Right. And, you know, the, the Bills pass rush, you know, last week was already looking pretty lively. Like uh, Greg Rousseau, uh, who they got out of Miami a couple of years ago, he's looking like, like he's turning into a force off the edge there. You get Von Miller back. You got to imagine if he's active, he plays on, on a bit of a pitch count there, but um, he'll be full bore uh, for, for the snaps that he is out there. So that that's an additional uh, level of concern there for for the Jags and the offensive line and keep Trevor upright. Let's go to your team, John. The Baltimore Ravens uh, numbers been on the move a little bit. It's up to four and a half at DraftKings. They are on the road at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Very low total here, sitting down at 38. I think that makes sense. Uh, you know, the Ravens caught a break last week with Deshaun Watson being ruled out. They got the Dorian Thompson Robinson experience. Everything's gone wrong for Pittsburgh, right? It, this feels like, you know, we got a few of these games right now. Like Desmond Ritter, Seems like he's playing for his job this week. Matt Canada feels like he's coaching for his job this week. A lot of trends would push you in favor of the underdog here, the Steelers. I, I just can't quite get there, John. And I, I know the Ravens are not a perfect team. They have flaws. And you know these, these AFC North versus AFC North games always tend to be wacky and tend to be close. But uh, I think you're leaning the same way with the Ravens here. Like, is there a way where Pittsburgh could keep up? I don't think so. Uh, I'm very strong on the Ravens this week, and I usually don't feel this confident going up against the Steelers, even when the Steelers don't really have an overly competitive team. Like like last year, the Steelers went into Baltimore on a Sunday night and beat them. And so, you know, that there there is a, a little bit of that. They can they can jump up and get you type of thing. But I, I think that, you know, Matt Canada, hot seat, like you said. I don't know if you follow Antonio Brown on Twitter still, but uh, he's oh, he's vehemently anti-Matt Canada. Great um, follow he, that guy. Always he, dropping he really, he, he is. He wants to be the OC in Pittsburgh. Also wants to play for them. Uh, you know, a little, little uh, was it yeah. Will Chamberlain? That, that was the player coach. Um, uh, so, a lot of guys were. Bill Russell, I think, at one point. Uh, Bill Russell, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, I the Steelers are just, uh, despite my ramblings, they're stuck in the mud offensively. They, they um, have a couple statistics here for you to underline that 67% of Pittsburgh's drives have resulted in a turnover or a punt. That's the second worst rate in the league. I don't think that that improves too much against the Ravens who are getting healthier uh, right now. If Marlon Humphrey is able to go, that that um, is going to hurt that passing attack for Pittsburgh even further. And the, the defense generally is just flying around right now. And, and also for each 
fresh set of downs that the Steelers get. 61% of those are getting to third down. So nothing is coming easy for the Steelers on, on offense. It's always in a third and distance uh, type of situation for them. Ravens get to pin their ears back. Jadavian Clowney's been a, a wrecking ball, uh, generating pressures on, on the quarterback. I think this is the week he gets home a little bit against Kenny Pickett, who's, you know, you got to question his mobility coming off the knee bone bruise. So everything sets up for, for the Steelers offense to be, um, you know, basically impotent in this matchup. And I think the Ravens offense is really starting to, to um, find its groove here uh, with the new system under Greg Roman. And Bateman and Beckham were both full participants in practice Thursday, so they have their full complement of weapons as well. Um, from a fantasy angle, the Steelers, the, the wide receiver ones that they've faced uh, th this year, like with Brandon Ayuk and a handful of others have all had like, you know, over 100 yards, huge days for fantasy. So I think that, that there's appealing uh, receiving yardage props there to, to be had for either Mark Andrews or Zay Flowers as well. Um, I really like the Ravens to cover here, even though this traditionally is a very close game where, where the underdog often rises up. Marlon Humphrey also back at practice this week. We saw Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum uh, return to action last week against Cleveland. So some of those injuries that were, I think, bogging down uh, the Ravens offense, especially early on, uh, starting to turn in the Ravens' favor. Underdog has covered 11 straight in this rivalry between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, dogs are 15-1-1 ATS since 2015. So there, there are some strong trends here, but, you know, trends, trends have to be broken at some point, John. So I'm, I'm with you. We, I think we're going to lock this one in in Circa. We had it at four there, uh, now up to four and a half at DraftKings. Let's talk about the game of the week, 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. This game is out in San Francisco. Numbers held pretty steady all week, John, at three and a half in favor of the 49ers. What kind of a chance do we give Dallas here to hang around? I think talent-wise, you know, Dallas is right there with San Francisco, not far behind. Uh, you know, losing Trayvon Diggs certainly hurts, but uh, you know, I, I think if you stack these rosters up right next to each other, these are two of the three or four most talented overall teams in the NFL. I, I tend to lean 49ers here. I, I just trust this team. It, it feels like they, you know, their down weeks are better than just about every other team's down weeks. They're strong weeks. They, they just pulverize teams. They bully right over. Uh, I, I expect Dallas to make this a game. I don't think they, they roll over whatsoever, uh, but the Niners, man, They've covered nine straight at home. They've scored 30 plus in nine of their last 10 games. It's just, it's looking effortless. Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, to, to your point, the Cowboys are definitely a top five, top six uh, team in, in the league, but I'm of the opinion that the, that the Niners are the best team in football and by a, a decent little margin, you know, we'll, we'll see what the chiefs a game looks like later on in the season. But for right now, I don't think anybody's beating San Francisco the way that, that they're playing. They're at home. Uh, we've seen some concerning road or home road splits for, for Dak Prescott, and he's going to be on the road, obviously, in this spot. I don't like this setup for, for him. Um, I think that that defense in San Francisco is really going to be a, a lot for, for him to deal with on Sunday night. And, you know, for for the 49ers angle, they, like they're just so balanced on offense. Like you load up to stop McCaffrey, all of a sudden you're opening up shot plays to, to Ayuk and, and Debo and to Kittle. Um, and if you – don't load the box, then McCaffrey's just going to absolutely gash you. So like, you are damned if you do, damned if you don't against the 49ers. And and uh, the, the Cowboys obviously have an explosive pass rush and, and a good defense. We'll, we'll see uh, how that secondary continues to respond. Sands, Trevon Diggs. But I I really just wouldn't be surprised if the Niners make a big, loud statement on Sunday night and, and kind of roll here, actually. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Right? I, I could see Dallas 
winning this game. I could see Dallas keeping it within a field goal, and that's why the hook is so important here. But I, I can't see Dallas making a statement and blowing out the 49ers, right? It, it, part of it is this game is, is at San Francisco, and that's a big advantage. Uh, but it's like that to me is another reason to trust San Francisco, I guess. It's like if that's the only side that I can see winning in blowout fashion, uh, I, I just there's just too many things have to go wrong, I feel like, for San Francisco to not be competitive or not win a game. Uh, we saw last week, I mean, Debo Samuel and George Kittle combined for two catches, two touches, I believe, in the entire game. And they roll. They roll over an Arizona team that has put up a fight uh, against every team it's faced, including the Dallas Cowboys, beating them outright. So, you know, I, neither of these teams has played an overly tough schedule. You know, the 49ers have had a slightly more difficult schedule so far. They've actually had a, a couple common opponents. But I think for Dallas, like this is a this is a huge level up in terms of the competition that they faced so far. And they've looked good for the most part. You know, we could maybe throw that Arizona game out, whatever they got caught off guard. Uh, but you're going from playing, you know, three of the five worst offenses in the league so far to playing a team that might be the best offense and the best defense. Like that is, that's a big adjustment to make if you're the Cowboys. It, it's huge. Uh, and you have the McCarthy versus Shanahan factor, give the edge to, to Shanahan every yeah. single time there. So, um, you know, that this just, I, I'm very excited for this. Like as far as like, I don't have a dog in in this fight rooting interest wise and it's a regular season game, but this, this is, this could be the, the best game on paper that we're treated to this entire season. I'm very excited for it, but I, I do feel like it, every time I kind of run through my mental simulations, it, it always ends up with, with the 49ers mm-hmm. uh, getting this done and getting the cover. Yeah. I, I like this imagery of your brain acting as a supercomputer. It's like, you know, some people use these, these models where they simulate every game like 500,000 times. Like no, John just kind of visualizes how it's going to go a thousand times. And that, that's how we roll. I just say, yeah, I see McCaffrey stiff arming somebody into the end zone. And, and yeah, like my eyes are like rolling back in my head. They're all white. It's <laughs> the, the Oracle. I'm bending spoons with my mind. <laughs> all right, let's go to Miami and the New York Giants. Uh, might not be a, a game of the week contender, but Miami's must watch TV at this point, man. It's like watching a big 12 team. I love it. Like that's, that's why I was so into college football for so long. It's like, the NFL, like when I was when I was younger, I was like, oh, there's just not enough scoring. You know, I want to watch a team put up 75 points. And it feels like the Dolphins are capable of doing that just about every week. Now, they got humbled last week in Buffalo. That's for sure. We, we were all over that one. We sniffed it out. Bill's defense uh, ended up winning the day. But, I, you know, the Giants, are they're not the Bears. They're, I think they're a slight level ahead of that. But a lot of the numbers would indicate that they are – just as bad, man. I mean, this is this is a Giants team that is in serious trouble. We'll see if Saquon Barkley even comes back. He was limited at practice on Thursday. That is not a guarantee by any means. Their entire offensive line is banged up. Andrew Thomas is not expected to play. Uh, and oh yeah, they just gave up 10 sacks on a on a short week. They're also coming into this game having played on Monday night. Like there's just, everything you look up is just pushing you and pushing you and pushing you in favor of the Miami Dolphins. The number's up to 11 and a half. Are, are we still confident uh, with, with the number continuing to climb? Right. It, it's it's a big number there, but I, I feel like this is one of those ones where you think it out and if you if you end up landing on the Giants side of this thing, just just trying to take the points and and, and hoping you're going to feel so foolish when, when the Dolphins are, have won this game 42 to 10. You know, like it, it just this is such a brutal setup for, for the Giants. I mean, it wasn't even a great, lively pass rush that, that Seattle was bringing out there, and they still were just in Daniel Jones's lap the, the entire game. Uh, Daniel Jones was somehow able to complete almost 80% of his passes in that game. That feels like a mirage. It feels like I've been gaslit by that box score. 
Yeah, it's going to get a lot worse this week. Um, I think, you know, uh, we, we talked about it earlier, Jalen Phillips coming back adds to that pass rushing depth for Miami. And, and you know, I think another just kind of interesting detail, everyone wants to point to how bad the Giants offense is, but the defense has been totally toothless after being, you know, kind of a steadying and carrying presence for them in, in their playoff run last season. I don't know if, if Wink Martindale, obviously I'm very familiar with him as the former Ravens defensive coordinator, really aggressive on the blitz, and they're not getting home whatsoever, despite, you know, on paper having decent personnel. So I don't know what's wrong with, with his scheme right now, but I'm I'm envisioning Tua having a lot of time, uh, and he doesn't need a lot of time. So th- this could be uh, a kind of a bloodbath, frankly, uh, for, for the Giants. Yeah, the Giants are near the bottom of the league in terms of pressure rate. They have four sacks on the year. That is more than only the Chicago Bears through four games. Uh, I mean, we could just read off like terrible giant stats the entire show. They have not forced a single turnover yet on the season. Uh, it's just not good here. And, and, and again, playing on the short week, having to go down to Miami, it's going to be hot. You're going to be standing in the sun uh, as they always make the visitors do this time of year. And I think you also have a Miami team that's hungry to get back on track. Right. And I think for the most part, we, we don't try to get into like the motivational stuff. I think that's really tough to gauge, but you know, Miami wanted to prove that they were the best team in that division. That certainly did not happen last week. And now they have a chance uh, you know, against one of the worst teams in the league, I think, to make a statement. So, you know, I, I don't think the Giants, like the Giants are going to ch- switch something up. I, I don't think they're going to allow Daniel Jones to be sacked 10 times, but it's really hard to settle on, okay, what is what is the move here? What What is the what is the play that gets the Giants back on track? It's just, it's a nightmare matchup. Like if you're the Giants, this is pretty much the last team I think you would want to face based on what happened Monday night. Yeah, I mean, this is a bottom five team going on the road. Uh, on a short week against a fringe yeah. top five team like that. That's just kind of wh- where it all starts and ends for me. Um, you know, but the Barkley situation just does, even if he's there, even, even if he's ready to go, I don't think he'll be 100 percent. I'm not sure if he can really even help because the offensive line doesn't generate any space whatsoever for uh, with, with his blocking. So this is tough scene incoming uh, for Big Blue. Let's move on to Eagles and Rams. This game is out in LA. Rams are four point underdogs at home. Uh, the, the look ahead on this one, you know, back in, in early September was Eagles by six and a half. So it's actually shrunk despite Philly uh, getting off to a four and start. But I think a lot of respect here for what the Rams have been able to do. Like I, I maintain that this team is overmatched, especially in the trenches uh, basically every week, you know, they're, they're undersized, they're inexperienced. They got a bunch of guys on defense that you've never heard of. And, I think Sean McVay has already reminded us through the first four games here that he is an elite head coach and is getting the most out of these guys. Uh, I, I do worry about Philly, you know, defending the middle of the field. Uh, I think that that defensive backfield has not been uh, to the level that we would expect from Philadelphia, but I, I just, I can't get away from the advantage that the Eagles have with their offensive line and defensive line. I mean, this is one of the best uh, pressuring teams, if not the best in the NFL, uh, you know, I, I think back to two weeks ago against Tampa Bay when they're just opening these just cavernous holes for DeAndre Swift. And certainly Aaron Donald will have something to say about that. But outside of Aaron Donald, I, I think the, the Philadelphia offensive line against the Rams defensive line, that's the biggest advantage in this game. And I, I really expect Philly to roll here. I know I know the Rams have kind of become this somewhat of a trendy upset pick or at least a, a trendy ATS upset pick. But I, I like Philly here. This is where we differ a, a little bit. Yeah. And, and All right, to, to your it. point, um, so, so with the Eagles, the way that I see them covering uh, is very akin to how uh, the Bengals got got it done against the Rams on the Monday night game a couple weeks ago, where we saw Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard living in that in that Rams backfield. You know that those two are, are phenomenal edge rushers, but I, I think Philadelphia, but like some in total, 
has a more vaunted front seven as far as that is concerned. But Philadelphia does have kind of, in my opinion, a, a leaky or at least banged up secondary. So the Rams are going to need to play the quick game here. Like they're going to need to get the ball out of Stafford's hands. You can't do the, the five and seven step drops against this defense when you have that offensive line. But luckily for him, with Cooper Cup supposedly coming back, you got Puka Nakua obviously cooking through the first month of the season. If they just play that quick game, I think that they're going to be able to take some of that pressure off of Stafford, and I think they're going to be able to, to sustain some drives, have some success, and, and keep this one close. Now, now the defense, that's another issue that, that you know, I, th- I think is well stated um, as far as the, the Rams being, you know, candidates to get bullied a, a little bit by this Eagles offensive line, but I don't know. I, I just keep landing on the Rams. I think it is significant to me the, the way that the line has moved o- over the course mm-hmm. um, of the season for, from six and a half, which, you know, I would have hammered the Eagles at that coming into the year. I, I thought the Rams were, were going to be vying with, with the Cardinals for being the worst team in football this year. And, and that certainly hasn't been the case. The strength is on the offense and, uh, and specifically with its passing game. And that's where Philly's weak, just weak enough to where I, I think the, the Rams do end up keeping this one close. I think you're in the majority there. So I, you know, I will respect your opinion on that. We're we're not going to use this game in Circa. I mean, I I don't feel that strongly about it, but I I think the Eagles get back on track. I think they don't like how they played last week against the commanders, but Stafford worries me. Puka Nakua worries me. I I don't think we're going to see Cooper Cup in this game. Uh, I I don't believe a a decision has been officially made there, but uh, you know, you, you remain limited at practice yesterday. We don't have a full report on Thursday. Either way. I mean, when Stafford gets hot, that that's that's like what become one of the scariest things in football. Like he he's made a few mistakes. You know, he had some some costly picks against Cincinnati. Uh, had one last week as well. Like he he's still he's still always got that in his back pocket. But when he's humming, you know, we it's really something we didn't see last year. He was injured. He never really got back on track. Like he's, I, I think he's just need a reminder that he is a, a very very dangerous quarterback uh, when, when things are schemed up and he's confident. So I I think the Rams can move the ball through the air. That does worry me. You know, they're going to need some big plays here. But I, I trust the Eagles defense and I trust the Eagles offensive line so we will agree to disagree on that one john let's go and, uh, to-, to, to your to your stafford point quickly i was i was on the fantasy uh football pod with, with mario puig our colleague earlier and he said i test wise stafford has been like a top three top five type of quarterback this year it doesn't it hasn't totally shown up in the box score yet but uh, you know maybe that does end up correcting because as far as like looking at, at how he's playing real sharp real vintage yeah he's been nasty he's been really good Chiefs Vikings Chiefs are four point favorites on the road at Minnesota uh, tricky game. Like I, I actually think this game mirrors Eagles Rams in a lot of ways. Yeah. Th- this is one where I'm basically going to like, I'm going to take the Vikings in the points, cover my eyes and like, you know, just like throw it behind me and, and just hope for the best here. I, I, because betting against Patrick Mahomes is, is a terrifying exercise. Betting on the Vikings, similarly terrifying. Yeah. Would not recommend I, no, it, but, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's fun to, to live dangerously, uh, to, to stay on, on a seven as Austin Powers once did in Las Vegas. And, hey, that's what I'm feeling here with with, uh, with the Vikings. I think that, you know, we just still haven't seen the Chiefs offense get into, you know, full go mode. And I know the Vikings are, are a team where you can certainly get right. But this is in Minnesota. It's in the Dome. I think that the Vikings are going to be able to, on offense, answer a lot of the time, every time that, that the Chiefs score. Might even see the, the Vikings take an early lead here. So 
Um, I like the Vikings here. It's it's just enough points to, to where I'm considering it. Obviously, if this was like coming in under four, um, uh, you know, you're strongly on, on the on the Chiefs at that point. But where the number uh, is hanging right now, um, it's enough for me to just go ahead and, and take the take the points at home, seeing it at, at four over at Circa. So give me the Vikes here. You know, we, we have it locked in at four in Circa. It's down to three and a half everywhere else. Three and a half at DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet. That, that scares me a little bit. You know, I, I don't know why that would be. I, I don't think there's a, a key injury that we're, we're worried about here with Kansas City. Um, I, I'm not sure if uh, you know, what, what would be going on with the Vikings to, to continue to move that line in their favor. I mean, offensively, Minnesota, you know, to me, is still really dangerous, especially with the pass. It's just a matter of, you know, how many times are they going to turn the ball over? I mean, they've, they've lost seven fumbles. Kirk Cousins has four or five picks already on the year. I had a really costly, you know, 99-yard pick six, another, another pick in the second quarter against Carolina that really kept the Panthers in that game. You make those mistakes against the Chiefs, you almost have no chance. Uh, but there's there is still you know something really dangerous about this Vikings offense. Like I I don't care you know what team you're going up against. Like I, I still Justin Jefferson strikes immense fear into me. So are, are we agreeing that this is going to be a stay away? Agreeing that it's a stay away, and and if I had to have a lean, it, it is on the Vikings. It, you know, you oftentimes I, I will just you know total hubris move, but I I, I will have my my prior uh, locked in for a certain game, and then I see line movement. And I'm like, good, yeah. good. Good that it's going away from me. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna like double my unit now. I'm not a responsible gamble, responsibly, folks. But um, I, I do, I do tend to feel like usually like stronger about my opinions if like the line's moving away from it. But uh, in, in this case, when it when it comes to the Vikings, it's like I was unsure about it at, at four, four and a half. But you know, seeing it uh, go to to three and a half now, I feel oddly even better about about the uh, the Vikings in this spot, even if it's moving in their direction. Okay. Okay. Vikings two and eight ATS in their last 10. I will leave it at that. Brutal. Uh, yeah. Even better. <laughs> um, Texans Falcons. This isn't the sneaky fun game category for me this week. I never, ever would have circled this game five weeks ago and said, I, I need to make sure I carve out some time to watch this. But Houston, you know, d- despite being a team that I, I'm just born to hate because they're in the AFC South, <laughs> they've been a, a really fun watch. You know, I, I think we saw week one against Baltimore and you're like, all right, CJ Stroud looked okay, but other than that, yeah, the Texans look like the Texans. Since then, I mean, this has just been an offense that's taken off. CJ Stroud, you know, is going to have a chance to set the rookie record. Uh, I forget what it even like. He's already set the rookie record for most pass attempts without an interception. I, I think he has a chance now to like join elite company as far as uh, you know just going this far into a season uh, without an interception in terms of number of pass attempts to begin a year. I mean, we're we're almost talking about stats now where you don't even consider him as a rookie. Texans one and a half point favorites at Atlanta. You know, I, I feel like everybody's going to be on Houston, especially after last week. You know, it felt like that was the spot where, okay, you know, they, they got their win against Jacksonville, but this Pittsburgh defense, they're going to get to Stroud. This is two straight weeks now where you look at the Texans offensive line and, you know, Larry Tuttle's been out. You can't name anybody else on that line. You, you think TJ Watt's going to have himself a day and, you know, they've kept him clean. And, you know, when I was saying to you earlier on the circuit video, like you go through and watch these, these TJ Stroud snaps, like, he's not just dumping it down three yards. You know, he's not making these, you know, just kind of easy out plays that, that a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. Like they're having him stand in the pocket. They're having him deliver throws and he's making them consistently. Uh, what is the, if you're on Atlanta here, which I don't know if you are, but if you are, what is the pitch for why the Falcons win this game? I, I think it, it would have to come down to, to them control, like controlling things, um, you know, similar to what we saw maybe against uh, the Packers or, or the Panthers earlier this year, where, where, 
they're able to dictate what's going on on offense. They're able to sustain drives thanks to the run game, occasionally get a, a, a completion out, out of Desmond Ritter once in a while, uh, they hope. And, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson obviously running very well, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks. He seems to have kind of taken the full command, uh, having some freakouts about my, my lack of Tyler Algier shares uh, after week one, but uh, I'm, I'm less concerned about that now. But basically, the Falcons need to, yes, A, control the clock uh, on offense and dictate their, their terms that way. And I think defensively, if they're able to do something that, honestly, no other defense has been able to do to this point uh, and, and affect Stroud and, and get him to turn the ball over, um, that that's the way that, that the Falcons win this, but I'm dubious on both of those, you know, paths for, for the Falcons actually come to fruition. I feel like Houston, um, they they're cooking right now and they have some reinforcements along that offensive line, potentially on the way Titus Howard and, and Laramie Tunsil might be able to give it a go here. Um, that would be huge for them. And I think it would also really help uh, get Damian Pierce going and make this offense a little bit more balanced because outside of last week, they haven't really been able to get a whole lot going on the ground. So um, I know the Falcons can be stingy against the run. So maybe, maybe that's kind of a moot point, but bottom line here, distinct quarterback advantage for, for Houston, no home field advantage for Atlanta. And mm. yeah, just get, give me the Texans. I'm, I'm starting to, to drink the, uh, the Kool-Aid a little bit. And we, we should have, um, I, I wish we, we knew this a little bit more ahead of time last week, but if we knew that the Texans were wearing the battle reds, I know. I, I think that I we might've had to include them on JJ Watt. Doug. I know. I'm so glad you brought that up. I thought the same thing. I, I saw that on Sunday morning and I'm like, Oh man, I'm on the wrong side here. I, I, no I idea. Like, you, you gotta be able to disclose this for the betters. Uh, I, I found the stat that I was like stumbling over five minutes ago. Uh, quarterbacks who've attempted 150 plus passes in the first four games of a season and have not thrown an interception. Uh, as far as I'm aware, this is like NFL history. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, CJ Stroud. Holy crap. That's nuts. That is nuts. I have another trivia question for you here that I, I kind of discovered on the fly. Can you name the three quarterbacks this season who have started all four games and have not thrown a pick? CJ Stroud is one of them. Purdy. Purdy. And hmm. Is it sorry, I won't I won't belabor this. It, it's it's not too uh um is it Sam Howell? It is Joshua Dobbs, John. Oh, I almost three. went there, but I didn't want to look stupid. But I picked Howell, which does make me look stupid. Good job, bud. <laughs> oh man. Stroud, Purdy, Dobbs. Four games, zero interceptions. Everybody else has at least one pick. Uh you know, the other thing with Atlanta here, you're coming back from London without taking the bye. And you know, historically that that has not treated teams well. Uh, you know, teams that 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 elect to do that. Uh they, they tend to, to kind of not show up defensively. Uh, opponent totals are seven and three to the over when a team comes back to London and does not take a bye. Uh, and great note from the Action Network here. Every one of those 10 teams that came back from Europe and played the next week, all 10 of them were tied or trailing going into the fourth quarter the following week. So there, there is some, some you know minor sample here uh, to indicate that the Falcons might feel that jet lag coming back from, from London. So I, I think... Good time for the Texans to catch this team. You know, I, I do feel like at some point that Texans offensive line is going to crumble. They just they just can't keep getting away with this. Uh, but I don't know that Atlanta is the team that's going to make them pay. And a lot of pressure is on Desmond Ritter this week. So I'm with you. If I have to make a pick here, I would go Texans plus one and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, quick message from the presenting sponsor of our podcast, Circa Resort. It's football season. 
at Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, count them up, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game from college to the pros. You can catch all the action poolside. They have a variety of seating options, day beds, temperature-controlled cabanas, whatever you want, you can find it at Stadium Swim. It's located at Circa Resort and Casino, and it is open 365 days a year. They play all sports, all seasons. Book today at CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. Let's get back to the board, John. Uh, I want to go with a, another game that I don't think I would have had circled uh, even like two weeks ago, but here we are. Cincinnati at Arizona. Bengals, three-point favorites on the road. Uh, Arizona, you know, they're kind of like a junior version of the Texans to me, where you, you see the flashes. They haven't been quite as consistent. You know, Josh Dobbs has looked really good. Uh, hasn't been quite on C.J. Stroud's level, but he's looked a hell of a lot better than I ever expected. Cincinnati is almost an impossible evaluation. We, we just we don't know what version of Joe Burrow and what version of this offense we're getting week to week. But as of right now, as of Thursday evening, it's not looking to me like T. Higgins is going to play. He hasn't closed the door, but even if he does play, you have to think, you know, he could be one hit away from leaving that game. Right. Yeah. Ribs are tricky and that they are just a couple weeks away from uh, from, from their bye week in, in week seven. So uh, it might be pragmatic for them to, to just put him on ice and until uh, week eight. I do believe that the Bengals have enough receiving depth. You know, Tyler Boyd could step up. Charlie Jones uh, looking like, you know, he can be at least a little bit of an asset in the passing game as well. So that that to me isn't overly concerning if they, if they are Sands Higgins, who is I'm a big T Higgins guy. He's looked awful this year. He's been bad. Um, just no no way around it. Maybe it's the contract thing. I don't know. But either way, hasn't been a, a huge help there. And, and Burrow, the calf thing, I mean, he, they get rinsed by the Titans last week. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you go into the Lions den like, like that and, and Vrabel can just kind of uh, just take you down into the mud and you never really escape. And that's certainly uh, what was the case last week. I don't know if the, if the Cardinals really have that in them necessarily, but, but Gannon's definitely done a much better job than, than a lot of people anticipated and, and the offensive coordinator designing an offense where Josh Dobbs isn't making those mistakes like we were just talking about. So I, th this is sort of do or die time for, for the Bengals. So uh, this, this game has fairly split action. Uh, we were just talking about Texans uh, Falcons that that's really close as far as wh where the money's coming in. It's 55% on the Texans. It's actually 54%. Uh, of the money coming in on the Cardinals. So, so the people are either believing slightly in, in the Cardinals or probably even more so uh, just doubting the Bengals in, in their current form. And I, I tend to agree with that. I, I just feel like the Bengals, after a, a couple of years of, of their season ending and heartbreak and, and Joe Burrow always coming into the season with some sort of medical issue one way or the other, feels like it's catching up to them a little bit. It does. It's an especially tough time for this to happen with the T Higgins contract kind of hanging over this team. And, you know, it's, it, it almost feels like a, a last dance with this core. Now, you know, Cincinnati, as long as Burrow is there and healthy, they're, they're going to contend for the next decade. Plus, I don't want to make it seem like this is their last chance, but the roster is going to be different. You know, when you got the Burrow contract, you got the chase contract on the books that that changes things. And, you know, I, I think there's a case to be made that the way this offense specifically is constructed, this this might be you know the best this unit looks, uh, you know, depending on how they draft and depending on how they ultimately replace someone like T. Higgins or even Joe Mixon, who's probably off this team after this year as well. So it's I mean it's do or die for Cincinnati, right? I mean you can't you can't go to one and four 
Um, and you know, I, I think they were lucky to escape that Rams game a couple of weeks ago. I actually felt I, I felt good coming out of that. I thought they I thought they had created a blueprint to you know kind of use a limited Joe Burrow, right? Which was just get the ball out quickly. It was almost it was like late career Big Ben, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. get to get you know get it to Jamar Chase, let him do the work, you know, mix in some some Joe Mixon and go from there. And uh, man, last week threw me off. And I, I'm just I, I'm still I'm still cautious with Arizona. You know, like you don't want to. You don't want to turn too hard in one direction. Yeah, you know, I thought this team would win like two games. You know, they, they certainly look a lot more lively than that. Uh, to me, it's going to come down to can Cincinnati stop the run? Like as good as Josh Jobs has been, I actually went and added him in like three fantasy leagues where I have Justin Herbert this week. I'll be rolling him out there. Uh, it's the running game for Arizona to me that's been really impressive. Like it's not just, you know, Josh Jobs making plays through the air and with his legs. Like James Conner and that offensive line have, have really outperformed. Yes, they, they have, and the Bengals haven't been particularly stingy no. against the run in, in their own part. You know, Derrick Henry obviously got, got himself going last week. Derrick Henry, different class of player than James Conner, but Conner's been really effective. Also, I like James Conner a lot, and I also like that he kind of got in a fight with the 49ers uh, cool. player at, after Very the cool. game la- last week. And some uh, some retired NFL player quoted that, um, that clip and was like, that fight's not about football, folks. So I, I – I, <laughs> I like the idea of some some off the field acrimony between players, and, and good good for James Conner just kind of being a dog. Yeah, man, more dogs, more fights. Uh, we're all for it at the Roadwire Sports Betting Pod. <laughs> Let's talk Jets and Broncos, John. This is one that I think might make our circa million card. We're loving the Jets, and you know this line has kind of been all over the place. I know it was down to uh, Jets plus one and a half uh, at some books earlier this afternoon. It locked at two. At Circa, I'm now seeing Jets plus two and a half uh, at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I don't think this line is done moving. Tricky game for a lot of reasons here. You have you know, maybe the worst quarterback in the league, but a good defense. You have Russell Wilson, who's looked pretty good, but I, I think we can safely say Denver has the worst defense. Uh, in fact, they have the worst defense ever through four weeks as far as DVOA uh, goes back. So not a lot of ways to, to defend what we've seen from the Broncos on the defensive side of the ball. I like the Jets here. I want to be clear. I'm looking right into the camera. It's not because of Zach Wilson. I don't think Zach Wilson magically discovered something midway through that game against the Chiefs. I expect him to be bad. I expect him to turn back into a pumpkin. I, I think this game is on the shoulders of Brees Hall, and it's on the shoulders of the Jets' defense. Yep, and you know Brees Hall, this is where the injury happened last year. I think he's going to have some some karmic retribution here. That you know they've been saying all week that they're taking the restrictor plate off of him, and he's going to be back up to full workloads. He's been dynamite with the carries he's gotten so far. We're talking about feeding Brees 15, 20 times against this Broncos defense. You gotta love that. I mean, Khalil Herbert was running all over uh, the, the Broncos last week. It, you know, I like Khalil Herbert as much as the next guy, but come on. Yeah, I'll do respect, um, but <laughs> for real. Um, so the the defense is going to be able to, um, you know, just really stifle things. Uh, the Broncos offense looks better than, than it did a year ago, but that doesn't say a whole lot necessarily and I think facing uh this Jets defense I think it's going to be real tough for them and yeah the Broncos defense just really has nothing going for it and it's crazy because of how good that defense was a year ago I guess that the losing the coordinator really made a a huge amount of difference there and Sean Payton uh, has been a bit of a bozo this year so bozo energy yep and uh you know we we get a little hackett revenge potentially I mean give me the Jets baby come on (laughs) Uh, I don't know how much I buy into the Hackett factor. I, I just, you know, you should not, I, I think, for the record. You know, when, 
when you hire your quarterback's friend, uh, you got to live with the consequences of that, even when your quarterback uh, tears his Achilles. But yeah, man, I, 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 this one to me, I, I don't feel that great about it. I mean, being in Denver changes things. And again, I, I do think the Denver offense, you know, the defense has been so bad that it's covered up the fact that Wilson has been pretty decent. The passing games looks better. Uh, Jerry Judy's off the injury report. That was something we were tracking closely earlier this week. Uh, Javante Williams, though, we still don't know if he's going to play. Uh, you know, could be Jaleel McLaughlin and uh, Samaj P. Ryan this week. That would certainly be a downgrade. Uh, but we'll, we'll trust the Jets here. I'm with you. I, I like this one. I, I feel like we've been we've been taking too many favorites. We've been kind of leaning on good teams, good quarterbacks so far at Circa. Like I, I, I want to have a bet this week that really makes my heart race. Yes, and and this uh, should qualify and uh, should be able to uh, kind of help carry us in the afternoon window where uh, we we've kind of gotten off the schneid. We we had trouble solving the the afternoon slates uh, earlier this season, but uh, things have things have turned around in that regard after last week, nailing both of our afternoon picks. So I think that continues this week with the Jets. Okay, we got three more Sunday games, and then we'll end with Raiders-Packers Monday night. Uh, we, we've saved these three for the end for a reason. I, I think these are the three games that I am probably the least excited for. Uh, we'll start with Panthers-Lions. This number is up to 10 in favor of Detroit. It's been a, a steady climb, you know, nine, nine and a half, now up to 10. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, that's something that I was watching really closely. It sounds like he's... Uh, he's aiming to play. That, that's how it's worded uh, on this this little website called Rotowire that, that does a good mm. job tracking things like this. Hasn't really practiced all week. Uh, you, you do wonder. I mean, he's, he's somebody that has pushed through injuries in the past and then has, you know, re-injured said injury in game. Uh, so, you know, if Amon Rossi Brown is limited or ends up being out, I, I think I would lean Panthers plus 10 just because it's a big number and, and because I trust this Carolina defense, which has actually been pretty good. Uh, but, you know, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we, we thought going from Andy Dalton back to Bryce Young would be a downgrade. I think it was. I think Bryce Young looked okay last week, but uh, it's been under siege. I mean, the, the Panthers' offensive line is not good. The, D, the Detroit defense, I, I'm still not convinced the Detroit defense is good, but it certainly looked good last week against Green Bay. And as you recall, John, that game was on a Thursday. So long week of rest, long week of preparation here for the Lions. You get the Panthers at home. Uh, you know, again, tough number with it sitting right at 10. I, I could kind of go either way here. Did you have a, a strong lean? So my, my initial inclination w- was to go with the Lions just because I'm such a, a doubter of the, the Panthers. I, I think they're they're truly a, a bottom-rung team with, with not a whole lot going for it. Um, but the Lions are going to be one of those teams that I go back and forth on it, it as far as like trustworthiness because they come out week one, they beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead and then lay an egg. Uh, the following week against the the Seahawks, if I remember correctly. Um, so, like, do they are they that team that that rises up when, when like they have the big game in front of them, like the like the Packers game last week, uh, trying to like establish themselves as the new um, bully of the NFC North, and then they come back to earth a little bit here. I don't think that they're in any danger of losing, of course, and and you know the spread certainly underlines that. But ten is a lot of points to cover. Um, that defense can be a little bit leaky at, at times, uh, a little bit banged up in the secondary. So it's definitely a stay away for, for our purposes on Circa. And as far as the pick goes, I will stick with the Lions, but I, I feel less good about it than, than I did on Tuesday. Yeah, I feel better about using the Lions and Survivor, using them in a, a straight-up pick'em league than I do taking them at 10. Uh, even 9.5, I'd feel better. Uh, but, you know, this, this to me feels like a, it could be like a 30-20 to 20 type of game, 27-17. Uh, you know, could be one where you end up pushing. Uh, Frank Reich, by the way, as an underdog, as a head coach, 11-26 and 26 straight up. Uh, so not a 
not a long track record uh, of coming through in these situations. And, you know, we know the numbers on, on Jared Goff playing at home, playing in a dome uh, versus playing outside. So good spot here for the Detroit Lions. Total in this game, by the way, is 44. Titans Colts. Titans Colts. Uh, man, it was between this one and Patriots Saints as the, uh, <laughs> the, the first game that we choose. Uh, there's a reason these two were saved for last. Uh, a lot going on uh, on the Colts side of things. You know, we, we have Jonathan Taylor back at practice, practiced in full, in fact, on Thursday. Uh, you know, still kind of in the middle as far as where he's at. I mean, he had a very strange quote today saying, like, I, I, well, I don't know if I'm committed, but I'm here. So it's like, okay, I, I don't really know what that means. Uh, but it, I, I think as of right now, we can say confidently, there's at least a decent chance that Jonathan Taylor plays. I I, I don't know if, like whose decision this even is at this point. It seems like it, it might be you know kind of conjunction between Taylor and the team. Frankly, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that. You know, Jonathan Taylor's been allegedly dealing with two separate injuries. We don't really know what exactly he's going to look like. He's been away from the team. It's been a distraction. Uh, so it, it's not like I look at this game and be like, man, Jonathan Taylor plays. Got to take the Colts. Uh, I, I, this is a, a really, really tough one. This I, I put zero consideration into taking this one in circa million. Yeah, th this one is anyone's game. Obviously, that that's implied in, in the line as well. Um it, it's very difficult to figure out. Like, I'm not going to put uh, too much stock into what uh, Tennessee was able to do last week against the the, uh, the Bengals, for instance. Um, I think Indianapolis last week kind of let down it against the Rams. So it, it's really tricky. And, and, you know, even if Jonathan Taylor is back, you know, in theory that, that provides, you know, an additional uh, boost for that run game. But I do feel like the Tennessee defense um, for, for – maybe it's shortcomings elsewhere uh, can be pretty uh, stingy against the run. So I don't know how much of a help Jonathan Taylor will, will be this time around. Um, I, I'm going to dig into some, some uh, road splits for, for Vrabel here in, in a second, but um, do you, which way are you leaning uh, here? If, if you had to make a call. I'm leaning Tennessee. Uh you know, I, I don't want to be overly reactionary to last week against Cincinnati. I, I think the Bengals are, are kind of a broken outfit at this point, and I, I don't think we can read too far into that. You know, it took Tennessee a little bit to get going in that game. Uh, but I also think they've they found something in the run game. You know, it, we, we had this exact same conversation about the Titans last year when Derrick Henry got off to a terrible start. It was held under 100 yards, was hanging around like, you know, the mid threes in terms of yards per attempt uh, through his first three games. And then you know, he goes for 114 against these Colts in week four. And that started a, a five game run where he was easily clearing 100, 100 plus yards in each of those games. They got him on track last week, 22 for 122 and a touchdown. You know, they, they've been sprinkling him in, you know, as a pass catcher, basically just on screens. And, you know, those feel like almost a 50% hit rate as far as it turning into a big play once he gets going with a head of steam. So I, it depends which version of Ryan Tannehill you think is going to show up. If, if we get like semi-decent Ryan Tannehill, then I, I think Tennessee wins this game. If Ryan Tannehill throws two picks and loses the fumble, then, then the Colts hang around. So it's it's so these teams are, are just impossible to evaluate. You know, Tennessee has shown us kind of both sides so far. Indy, you know, we, we saw both sides of them just last week. You know, you fall behind 23-0 to the Rams. You think that game's over. The Hayes in the barn. And then all of a sudden the Colts come storming back and force overtime. So I, I, I lead Tennessee here. I think they're the better coach team. I think they're, they're certainly the more experienced team. You know, I think we've seen a lot of good with Anthony Richardson. But I, I also think when you go – and watch every snap or you go through and, and watch the condensed game, you see some of the bad too. It's like, if you're just watching red zone, uh, it looks like Anthony Richardson, every time he's touching the ball, is like ripping off a long run, but that's, that's not really the case. And I, I do think it gets this, this uh, Tennessee defensive line. Uh, we could see the Colts have trouble. So 
slight lean to Tennessee, but not enough for me to play it. So th- this one actually sneaky has a, a decent amount of line movement. So uh, as of October 2nd, which I believe was, was Monday, Tennessee was a two point dog at, at DraftKings. right now, two and a half point favorites. So it, it was sticking at, at one and a half for, for a lot this week in favor of Tennessee, but now we're seeing it at, at Tennessee minus two and a half. So we're, we're looking at it in Circa where it's uh, just one and a half. That's interesting. I'm not, I'm not totally sure what, what to make of that, but uh, I think bottom line, I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to, to go after the, the Titans with that, especially mm-hmm. with, with the line movement versus the locked number. Yeah, a couple injuries on that Colts defense as well. Shaq Leonard, uh, he did not practice on Thursday. Uh, Quiddy Pay, the defensive end, still limited as well. He's been in concussion protocols. So, uh, you know, not necessarily guys that swing the line, but something to keep an eye on for the Indianapolis Colts. All right, let's finish out the Sunday slate, John. We've delayed it enough. Saints-Pats, 39.5 is the total. The New Orleans Saints, one-point favorites at Foxborough against Bill Belichick. Uh, two key pieces missing from this New England defense. No Matthew Judon, no Christian Gonzalez, uh, the star rookie corner. Both of those guys went out last week against Dallas. I, I, I don't know where to go here. I mean, both of these teams are, have just been terrible on offense. Uh, you know, I, I think both of them on paper have good defenses. I, I, I think New England, you know, is for the most part lived up to that, but missing Judon and Gonzalez, those are huge pieces to be without. Uh, I believe as either team reached 20 points yet this year, I don't think they have or they've not gone over 20 points. Uh, you know, New England has not been able to run the ball whatsoever. Nope. Uh, there's just there's not a lot of positive momentum on either side. And you know, Derek Carr, I, I think, should probably look better than he did last week. But my guess is that he's he's still well below 100%. Right. It, you know, that a, a AC joint uh, sprain in, in your throwing shoulder, uh, that explains why Alvin Kamara got 13 targets last week. Like, he's definitely not confident. Um, throwing it down the field, letting plays develop and and get it and, you know, putting himself in harm's way. Um, so even with those injuries that that New England has, with of which there are many, you know, those are just the recent ones with, with Judon um, and Christian Gonzalez. They, they've got other ones that, that occurred earlier in the year that that are just tough. And it's taking away what, what could have been like a, a pretty um, fearful defense. But I will take it, and I think the Patriots' mystique is is effectively gone. Um, that, that's that's worn off, yeah. but I, I still feel like them them at home, especially as a slight underdog against a team that I don't view to be very good whatsoever. I think that they're just like a very milk toast, like twentieth best team in the league type of deal. The Saints are, so I'm I'm just going to take the, the home side here and and uh, not not mm-hmm. not worry too much about it, anything else. And, and Mac Jones. Definitely needs to get his confidence back. Maybe he'll be able to do so against the secondary. Significant line movement in this game as well. Like we mentioned, it's now Saints minus one. Uh, you know, Sunday night when we kind of got the the official look ahead line, uh, it was Patriots minus one and a half. So pretty big swing in favor of the Saints. Uh, New England, by the way, two and nine ATS in its last eleven games overall. And uh, another good note from the Action Network: the under has cashed in ten straight Saints games in thirteen. Of the last 14. Uh, you know, you're, you're never going to feel great about going under on a number in the 30s, but I, I think for me, that's the play. Yeah, we I think we, we see uh, that this one yeah. scores in the teens for, for both of them. Like, a, like this might be as, as bad as 14-13. I think we can see Bailey Zappi. That's that's all I'm going to say. And, and maybe we'll even see Jameis Winston. We could have a, a Winston Zappi you know, second half on our hands. Now that, now, that would make the game worth watching. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would much rather watch that. No question about it. 
this entire pod has led up to this Monday night football Packers Raiders uh, Packers uh, right now. This, this line's all over the place. I, I gotta, I gotta switch books just to kind of get a gauge here. Raiders uh, one point home favorites. This thing has been moving uh, throughout the last couple of days. I know the Packers were favored uh, by as much as two and a half uh, within the last 24 hours. So we've seen a, a pretty dramatic swing uh, back toward the Raiders. This is a, a really, really difficult game uh, Two, in some ways, evenly matched teams, two very different teams. I think the Packers, are more talented, uh, but at the same time, I, I think they they got exposed uh, in a number of ways last week against Detroit. So, you know, the Raiders feel like they're catching Green Bay at a good time. With that said, you know, Green Bay, extra time to prepare. You know, this game is out in Vegas, but Green Bay last played on Thursday. Uh, Devontae Adams did not practice on Thursday. He's nursing that shoulder injury. Jimmy G was limited on Thursday due to a concussion. Um, I, I think he's at this point on, in the final stages of protocols. Like my guess is Garoppolo is going to end up being cleared. That's a good thing for the Raiders, but I actually thought Aiden O'Connell looked okay. And, you know, Garoppolo, for the most part, has, has you know, kind of lived up to about who you'd expect him to be. But uh, I, I, that doesn't really sway my opinion too much here. I, I think I like the Packers. Extra time to prepare. Last week felt like a worst-case scenario first half. I actually thought they did okay to, to battle back in the second half. And, you know, if, if Quay Walker doesn't, for some reason, decide to jump over the line. Dude, what is his deal? Goal, that was weird, man. I, he's All had, he he's does had. is create crippling injury or uh, crippling uh, penalties for, yeah. for the Packers. He's had he's had three or four of those over the last two years now. It's it's been strange. I think the, um, the line, playing the Lions must do it to him because he did it in Week 18 yeah. last year too. That's right. That's right. I, Green Bay wasn't going to win that game, but it, it was going to get somewhat interesting uh, if if that didn't happen. And obviously the Lions were were able to to kind of milk it and, and run things out after that. But I, Green Bay can't look any worse than it did in the first half. I, I think they'll be fired up to avenge that. And I think this Raiders defense is really exploitable. So you, know, you can say the same thing about the Packers defense, but uh, you know, with, with the extra time to to get guys back, you know, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, they were active last week. They weren't really used as if they were 100% available. Uh, I think we should see Jair Alexander back in the mix for Green Bay as well. Uh, haven't gotten much of an update on him, but my, my expectation is that he'll be back. Uh, so I, I think Green Bay wins an ugly game, probably a pretty sloppy game on both sides, probably a lot of three and outs, uh, but I'll take Green Bay, you know, something like 21-17. I like the Packers here as well, um, especially as a slight underdog. Um, I'm just going to gonna be betting against the Raiders until further notice. I, I, even with Jimmy G uh, being back in the, in the mix, we expect um, – I. You know, beyond Devontae Adams, like if they don't have Devontae Adams out there, if he's limited, who are the, where do they go with, with the ball on, on offense? You know, is it right. going to be the Josh Jacobs show? He obviously looks at a cut or two below what he was last season. And the Raiders defense is bad. So I, I think that, you know, Jordan Love, very polarizing player thus far. And, and you know, with, with good reason, he's, his play has been polarizing. Um, but his good looks pretty good to me. And I think we see the good show up. On Monday night, he's going to make some big plays, I think, down the field. And and all of a sudden, you know, we, we have the Packers in business. And, you know, if Aaron Jones is anything close to 100%, then, you know, that that's just icing on the cake for me. Let's do some quick survivor talk. We will hand out the parlays, the teaser of the week, give our best bets and be on our way here. Uh, two obvious teams this week. You got Miami at home against the Giants. That number's up to 12. Uh, you got the Lions as 10-point favorites against the Panthers. Chances are you have one of those teams available. That is certainly where I would advise leaning. Uh, if you want to go a little off script, though, are there any other spots that you would consider? Excellent question. And, and uh, a little bit of game theory when it comes to using uh, the, the two uh, big favorites this week. Bear in mind that 
Detroit gets Carolina this week. Miami gets them next week. So I, I, I think my, my move where I have both teams available is to go Detroit this week against the Panthers and then come back and pick on the Panthers next week in, in the form um, of using the Dolphins. Ravens, you know, obviously that I'm very strong on them this week, but I, I can't quite get there as far as like a sneaky survivor um, t- type of deal. I think Buffalo definitely makes some sense. Um, in their own right going up against Jacksonville. But uh, I think there's probably a decent chance that you've used them at, at this point, whether it was against the Raiders or the Commanders. So not a whole lot of, of deep cuts that, that we're looking at um, for, for this week. If you wanted to be uh, a little bit wild with, with it, I, I think, honestly, San Francisco. But I think you save, save San Francisco for, for, a different, for a different week just in case. Yeah, that, that would be a sicko pick for me. I, I get it. But, yeah, I think you want to save the Niners in that spot. Um yeah, I, I don't, I don't really love anything else. You know, you mentioned the Bills. I, I mean, obviously the, you know, the game starts at two hours. But if you're, if you're listening live, like maybe consider the Commanders against the Bears. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Bears are one of, you know, you mentioned kind of targeting Carolina, targeting teams like Denver, the Giants. Like the Bears are in that category. Uh, so if you didn't burn the Commanders week one uh, against the Cardinals, uh, maybe this is a spot to do that. But yeah, stick with Detroit, stick with Miami. Uh, chances are you'll be safe there. John, give me your parlay of the week. All right, so we got three legs, and uh, apologies to everyone for, for last week. No leg to stand on for, from that one. I, I went 0 for 3 mm-hmm. on that one, but, you know, we uh, we wiped the slate clean. Here's what we got for this week. We got the Ravens, minus 4. We got the Bills, minus 5.5. We got the Jets, plus 1.5. That pays out about 6 to 1. That's, what, that's my parlay Ooh. of the week. I like it a lot. I'm taking the Bills to cover, so I'm with you there. I'm taking the Dolphins to cover. And we're taking the 49ers to cover that three and a half at home against Dallas. That gets you to plus 595. Uh, I believe, John, by the way, we were we were one leg away from the four loco insanity parlay cashing last week. And the Broncos pushed. So uh, you know, it kind of depends on how your book handles that. If you were able to uh, jump on the insanity parlay, Vikings, Chargers, both covered. Uh, and I believe that number closed at three uh, for, for Denver. Uh, oh, wait, no, were they, they were three-point favorites. That's right. So, yeah, I guess I would have pushed. But Nonetheless, on an insanity for local parlay, we will we will take a push there. Um, all right, I, I will give you my teaser of the week, and then we'll lock things up. We're running back a, a seven-point teaser here, and we got three teams involved. We are going to tease the Kansas City Chiefs from minus three-and-a-half to plus three-and-a-half on the road at Minnesota. We are going to tease the L.A. Rams from plus four up to plus 11, and we are going to tease the Green Bay Packers from plus one up to plus eight uh hit all three of those that gets you plus 130. okay all right i see i'm picking up what you're putting down there i I think that those are all um you know i I think you you're definitely sharp with the way in which you use the those seven points to play around with and i I think you got all those numbers down to to something that that i think it becomes very actionable getting in at plus money all the better so uh yeah I'm, i'm in on your teaser sir all right Hopefully the uh, hopefully the teams cooperate and they're in on it as well. Uh, let's give you your best bet and we will get out of here, John. It's the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to go to Pittsburgh in a Hans Field, and get it done, covering four points. I know it's no Joe Flacco out there, but Lamar, he's got it cooking. He's got it cooking. Give, give me the Ravens. It's a huge it's a huge weekend in Maryland sports. We got the Terps, less than three touchdown dogs against Ohio whoa, State. Whoa. Right in Columbus, uh, we got the O's starting off their ALDS series against the Rangers. We got a, a, a scene on Sunday where the Ravens play at one, 
and then that game ends, and then the Orioles play at four. So I'm I'm going to be in hog heaven uh, on Sunday afternoon. Can't wait. Give me the Ravens. All right, we love it. Ravens minus four. I'm going Miami. It's up to twelve. It's moved during the podcast. It's now up to twelve. Let's go. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. It could be, it could be Miami minus twenty five. I'm taking Keep it. Keep going. Uh, this is yeah. Give me more points. I don't care. Uh, I, I actually I think the Bills would would be my true like heart of hearts best bet. Uh, I'm just you know hedging like hell uh, against the Jaguars, but <laughs> this is just too good of a spot for Miami. It, it's honestly my biggest concern is that it's too good, and uh, you know like, it, like I'm just like completely ignoring something that I should be seeing. But no, Miami's winning this game. They're winning it big. It really more than anything, it's a makeup from like I, I remember on the show at the last second I backed out. I was going to make Miami. I think it was six and a half my best bet when they played Denver. And I was like, oh. I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that Denver team, we'll see. I think that defense is going to come around. <laughs> and they won the game by 50. So Miami, I, I apologize for that. I never should have backed off of that one. I feel like a fool, but we're making up for it this week. So you are locking in Ravens minus four. I'm locking in Dolphins minus 12. John, I have to get to a wedding rehearsal in about 35 minutes here. So we got to end this thing, but we appreciate everybody watching along live. Uh, everybody throwing questions in the stream. We're always happy uh, to answer your betting or fantasy football questions as much as we can during the show. Check out the podcast on Apple Podcast, on Spotify. It's archived on YouTube as well. We will talk to you next week. Best of luck.